The Justice League by David Levithan, reprinted from Friends, Stories About New Friends, Old Friends, and Unexpectedly True Friends. Copyright David Levithan, used by permission of the author. The Justice League I was the loud one. Tim was the smart one, and I was the loud one. Tim was the thin one, and I was the loud one. Tim was the quiet, shy, careful one. And I, I was the one who could never sit still. Not just my body, my mind couldn't sit still. But wherever I was, Tim was there beside me. Ever since we were little kids in preschool, Tim arranged blocks into tidy skyscrapers. I threw blocks around. In first grade, second grade, third grade, he liked to sit in a corner during recess, drawing kingdoms and monsters. I played on every team possible, everywhere at once, yelling for the ball. After school, we would go over to his house and play video games and watch TV, and when his mom was around, do our homework. When his mom was out of the room, I copied down what he wrote. He didn't mind, but he always made sure to tell me how I could get the right answers. He said that was the point. I thought the point was getting it done. Fourth grade. Tim and I were in the same class like always. It was as if the principal and all the teachers knew we couldn't be separated. It's not that we didn't have other friends. I at least had a lot of other friends, a whole team's worth. And Tim, well, Tim had books and he had girls like Carla Gilman and Alison Gould who had books. They were never reading the same thing at the same time, but the way they sat together on the outer edge of the football field, you would have thought they were. Tim was my secret language friend Guys like Rob and Devin were my first draft pick friends, and guys like Wes and Brayden were the ones who were never quite friends but were always on my team. They thought I was fine, and they thought Tim was less than a worm. The trouble started late in fourth grade. One lunchtime, Ms. Cross kept me in a few minutes late because I'd been shouting answers without raising my hand first. I had no way to explain to her the reason I'd shouted out, was because I'd been so surprised and happy that I'd actually known who was president in 1900 and who was president in 1950. By the time I got to the lunchroom, there weren't any turkey sandwiches left, and Wes was pouring chocolate milk down Tim's shirt. Carla and Allison were looking on with horror, and Brayden was looking on with a big grin on his face. I skipped the lunch line and headed over to our usual table, Wes stopped pouring when he saw me, but he didn't hide the carton or anything. What's going on? I asked. I tried to read Tim's expression, but our secret language was failing. It was like trying to watch a TV show on a TV set that isn't working. Nothing, Wes said, just giving Tim some chocolate milk. 
He said this like it made total sense. Down his back? I asked. Yeah, Brayden giggled. Down his back. Then both he and Wes started guffawing, like I'd just given them the punchline to a joke. But that wasn't the kind of punch I felt like giving. I knocked the chocolate milk carton out of Wes's hands, so it spilled on his leg on the way to the floor. Not funny, I said. Dude, he said, it was only a joke. Not funny, I repeated, standing my ground. Wes shrugged. Then he leaned over, patted Tim on the head, and said, See you later, loser. I continued standing there until they left. Are you okay? I asked him. I expected him to be happy with me for chasing them away, or at least relieved. But instead, he looked at me blankly. No thank you. No joke. Just quiet. Absolute quiet. I figured he didn't want to talk about it. I went to get my lunch and brought him back napkins to wipe things up with. He took them, but then started talking about the latest Justice League of America. I steered the conversation to X-Men, and then when recess came, he went off with Carla and Allison, while I hit the field with Rob and Devon and Wes and Braden. Nothing else was said, not until after school, when Tim and I were walking to his house. His shirt still had a brown streak on it from where the chocolate milk had settled in. I knew he couldn't see it, but I was sure he knew it was there. Don't do that again, he said as we hit his street. What? I asked. I can handle them, he told me. And because he was my best friend, I didn't say, no, you can't. For the rest of fourth grade, Wes and Brayden picked on Tim, but only in the same way that they picked on everyone else. Predictably, Tim and I reacted differently to this. When Wes or Brayden knocked my books off my desk, I made sure to knock their books back, as if taunting was like playing on a seesaw. When Tim's books were knocked over, he would just pick them up and rearrange them as if nothing had happened. When he looked at Wes and Brayden, it was like he couldn't even remember their names. We never talked about this. We had our superheroes instead, their secret identities, their last-ditch efforts to save the world, the times they turned evil, and the strength that brought them back to good. When we hit fifth grade, we became the oldest kids in the school. I loved that. I did safety patrol in the morning because I liked the idea that I could stop traffic, even though we were told never, ever to do this. At recess, I felt like I owned the field, in class, I couldn't sit still. Our teacher, Mr. Carlsbad, was always telling me to hush, to wait my turn. But I never knew when my turn was supposed to be. I only knew what now meant. Rob 
brought a handball in one day, and soon all of us were playing handball nonstop at recess. There was one spot on the back of the school where a perfect square of wall met a perfect square of blacktop. With the recess supervisor's permission, we brought some chalk outside and made a handball court. I tried to get Tim to play, but he had just inherited all of his brother's old comic books, so he was bringing them to school ten at a time to read. I think he wanted me to read them with him, but in the end he understood my absence in the same way that I understood him not going near the handball court. He had his thing, and I had mine. After school, we hung out like we always had, but in school, we became more separate. Wes and Brayden were not big fans of handball because it stole people away from football and because it only took one game to notice. They weren't nearly as good at it. Rob, who caught one out of four football passes on a good day, was suddenly our recess champion. I was a close second. Something about handball was perfect for me, rushing from corner to corner, whacking the ball with my palm, and then running to anticipate the next shot. There was no time to think, only time to move, and that worked for me. After a week of this, Wes and Braden drifted off. First, they returned to the field, passing the football back and forth to each other until that got boring. Then they drifted to the girls playing jump rope, making fun of their rhymes with some nasty verses of their own. Then they made their way to Carly and Allison and called them losers. And finally, they got to Tim. I didn't notice at first. I didn't notice until Rob noticed and pointed in Tim's direction. Wes and Brayden had grabbed two of Tim's comic books and were dangling them over Tim's head. Give them back, he said. Why should we? Wes teased. Because they belong to me, Tim replied, as if that would be that. Fine, Wes said, and then he gave the comic back, one page at a time. The first rip was like a gunshot to me. I was totally surprised by it. And so was Tim. Even Wes seemed a little surprised, but that surprise egged him on. He wanted more of it, so he ripped and crumpled and ripped again. Tim was standing now. With one swift move, he reached out and grabbed the comic back from Wes. Then he turned and grabbed the other one from Brayden before he too could start ripping. Tim was about to sit back down when Wes shoved him to the ground. Suddenly, my mind jumped to action. I was about to yell. I was about to run over and shove Wes back. Then, I remembered what Tim had said. I can handle them. Did that still count in fifth grade? You think you're cool, huh? Wes shouted. He knew we were all watching now. He knew we'd seen Tim take the comic back. Tim chose to ignore him. He gathered all his comics and opened the top one to read. That's it. Wes was really angry now. You and me after school.
He didn't need to say anything else. We all knew what this meant. Tim would have to meet him ten minutes after the last bell rang in the wooded spot behind the baseball field that was hidden from the school windows. They'd fight things out with a crowd watching. This was how fifth graders handled things. Tim knew, too. And still, he said no. He said it so softly that nobody else could hear. I only knew what he said because I knew how to read him, even from far away. What did you say? Wes shot out. I said no, Tim replied, louder now and clear. I'm not going to fight you. Well, you're going to have to, Wes insisted. Why? Tim asked. Because I said so. Wes took a deep breath. And if you don't show up, well, you better. He pulled back his leg a little as if he was getting ready to kick Tim. I bolted forward, but the kick was just a fake out. Tim flinched and Wes laughed. Then Wes and Brayden headed back to the field. I waited a minute until they were gone and people had stopped watching. I didn't want it to look like I was running to help Tim. Carly and Allison didn't hesitate. Even before Wes and Brayden were ten steps away, they swooped in to collect some of the pages that had fallen and blown away. I picked the last one off the ground and handed it back to Tim. Thanks, he said. No problem. You know I'm not going to be there, he told me right away. You have to, I said. Everyone knew this. If you were challenged to a fight, you had to go. Actually, he said, I don't have to. I can help, I offered. I'd witnessed one of the behind the baseball field fights before. It was when we were in third grade. There was a stretch where Tim had to go to piano lessons straight from school, so I was on my own. I saw that other kids were leaving school and going straight to the woods. Since I didn't have any bus to catch or anyone waiting for me to get home, I decided to follow. Everyone had crowded into a rough circle. I didn't know whether this was so everyone could see or to keep the two combatants stuck inside the center. Two fifth graders were facing off. I quickly learned that the argument had started between Chris Kelly and Frank Dukes when Chris fouled Frank during gym class. Then the argument broadened out to include Chris calling Frank names and Frank calling Chris's mother names until the shout out had occurred and Chris laid down the challenge to a fight. Frank had eagerly accepted. Now they were staring each other down and nobody knew what to do. It wasn't like there was a ref to get things going or a starting gun to be fired. Instead, they were just two boys stuck in the middle of a crowd calling each other names. Then Chris lunged forward and Frank dug in his feet. Some people yelled, go Chris! And some people yelled, go Frank! Others whooped and others stayed silent. Chris's arm wobbled as he threw out his fist. Frank teetered as he waited for it to land. I'd expected something 
like a boxing fight from the movies, quick jabs, strategy. But this wasn't like that at all. Chris's fist grazed off Frank's face. Frank jumped on him, and before any of us knew it, they were down on the ground, pummeling and kicking and rolling and ripping at each other's shirts. None of us knew how it was supposed to end. A teacher spotted our crowd and came running over. We opened the rough circle and let her through. Stop it, she yelled over and over. Another teacher ran over and split Chris and Frank up. There were dirt stains all over their bodies, and Chris had a little bit of blood coming out of his lip. The second teacher dragged them down to the office, while the first teacher told us all to go home right this instant. I figured Chris and Frank would be back the next day to finish it off, to fight until there was a winner, but as far as I knew, they never did. Now, it was Tim and Wes who were going to be in the circle, and it didn't take a genius to know what the outcome would be. Still, Tim had to show up. It was an unwritten rule. I can show you how to hit, I said. I'll back you up. No, Tim told me again. You don't need to do that. I won't be there. People knew we were friends. Throughout the rest of the school day, kids came up to me to ask if Tim was going to be there, and I was stuck because I knew that if I said yes, I would be lying. And I knew if I said no, it would only make things worse. So I didn't know. So I said I didn't know. Wes came up to me and said, I'd better make sure Tim was there. I should have been able to put him in his place. But instead, I shrugged. I said, it was up to Tim. You have to, I told him toward the end of the day when he passed the spelling quiz back to me. You can't back down, I wrote in a note that I passed when we were taking out our history books. You'll be there, right? I whispered when there were 10 minutes left in school. And he didn't even turn around. He just shook his head. No. When the bell rang, Wes made sure to come up to Tim's desk and say, see you in 10 minutes or else. Tim shook his head again. We were soon the last two kids in the classroom. Everyone else left to get a good watching spot. I'm going home, Tim said, putting his books in his knapsack. Are you coming? Everyone will make fun of you, I argued. They'll say you're scared, that you knew you were going to lose, so you ran away. Tim looked at me with this sad look in his eyes. Not sad with himself, but sad with me. Don't you get it? He said. Fighting doesn't stop anything. If I go there, it doesn't matter if I win or lose. He wins because he gets to boss me into fighting him. And that's wrong. That's not justice. Justice was one of our big comic book words. I didn't see what it had to do with meeting Wes behind the baseball field. 
If you beat Wes up, that will be justice, I said. No. It's like making a war just so you can win it. You shouldn't make the war in the first place. What are you talking about? I yelled. But then I stopped because I took a long, hard look at my friend and saw that he was shaking. Not on the outside, but on the inside. I realized I could push him into doing it. I realized he would listen to me. He would give in. But I also realized that it would be just that, giving in to Wes, to Braden, and worst of all, to me. Fine, I said, let's go home. I knew what would happen. I knew people would see us leave. I knew people would see me leave. I wish I could say I didn't care. I cared. I cared to the point that I almost turned the other way. I was ready to run to the woods and say, Tim can't make it, but I'll fight for him instead. But instead, I followed Tim out the door and away from the school. Neither of us looked back. We didn't talk much on the walk home. When we got to his house, we had a snack and read some of his brother's old comic books, and suddenly it was like I was reading them a new way. Spider-Man never picked a fight just to win a fight. The Fantastic Four only put themselves on the line when there was something big at stake. They stuck together. The X-Men were freaks because they wouldn't play by the evil mastermind's rules. But that's also why they were heroes. When I got home, there was a message from Rob telling me to call him right away. I did, and he told me what had happened when Tim hadn't shown up. There were about 30 kids there. Wes had made himself look all tough, rolling up his shirt sleeves to show off his biceps. What biceps? I asked Rob. I have no idea, he said. Five minutes passed. Ten minutes passed. Wes went ballistic. He called Tim all kinds of names. Everybody walked away. It was really stupid, Rob said. I bet everyone thinks Tim's a loser now, I said. Actually, Rob told me, he looks like the smart one. It was just so... lame. You know, I, would sh I was sure this would make Wes even angrier. And I guess Tim knew this too, since he was careful not to show up to class the next morning until Mr. Carlsbad was there and paying attention. This didn't stop Wes and Brayden from hissing threats whenever Mr. C was distracted, but they couldn't actually get to Tim, not until lunch. Right before the lunch bell, Tim passed me a note. Don't fight him for me, it said. Then another note. Okay. And I answered. Okay. Lunch brought the verbal threats. You're dead, Wes pronounced. Yeah, dead, Braden echoed. Carly and Allison looked more worried than Tim did. I imagine I looked mad. 
At recess, Tim sat down in his usual spot. This time, however, he hadn't brought anything but his homework to read. He didn't want to put any of the comic books at risk. Rob, Devin, and I didn't even pretend to start our handball game. We stayed close, waiting to see what would happen. It didn't take Wes and Braden long. As soon as the recess supervisor was off patrolling the second graders on the jungle gym, they headed straight for Tim. You think you can get out of a you can get out of it? Wes asked. You think you can just avoid me? Well, think again. It sounded like he'd practiced these words. A rehearsed tough guy. I'm not going to fight you, Tim murmured. Wes laughed. You think you have a choice? I'm not going to fight just because you say we have to. Tim's voice grew louder now, so all of us could hear. That's stupid. You think I'm stupid? Wes shouted. He hovered over Tim and stepped on his textbook. Do you? I thought, I can take him. Wes was about my size, but I had power on my side. A simple tackle, a shot to the eye, bruise him, hurt him, teach him. But then I saw Tim looking at me and looking at Rob and Devin and Carly and everyone else who was watching, everyone but Wes. Answer me, Wes screamed. And then he kicked Tim right in the stomach. And I knew Tim didn't want me to lunge in, punch back. Fine. That wouldn't stop me from being loud. You are such a loser, I yelled. Wes stopped. What did you say? He asked me, snarling out the question. You're kicking someone while he's sitting down, I shouted. How cool does that make you, Wes? How much strength does that take? Bruise him. We're sick of you, Wes, I broadcast across the schoolyard. We're all sick of you. Heard him. Do you want to fight, Burgess? Wes yelled back. Cause don't think I'm scared. I'm not going to fight you, I said. Can't you see that's the point? We're through with you, Rob chimed in. Yeah, Devin added. Teach him. I almost felt sorry for Wes. He didn't know what to do. And Brayden was even more clueless following his lead. Tim stood up then. He was wincing a little. That kick had landed hard, but he stood up on his own and didn't even keep his eye on Wes or Brayden. They were done. Instead, Tim took a few steps over to us. He looked at Rob and asked, Can you teach me handball? And Rob said, Sure. I continued to stare Wes down. I continued to watch as he just stood there. He yelled a few more things, insults, threats, but it was like the words had lost all their muscle. They were empty bodies, useless. 
To get pulled into a fight you can't win, that doesn't make you a loser, even if you lose. To pull someone into a fight just to prove you're stronger, well, that does make you a loser, even if you win. I don't think Tim meant to make me realize this. I think he only wanted to explain why he wasn't going to fight Wes in the woods after school that day. But maybe that's a part of the secret language of friendship. There are lessons in what you choose to do and what you choose not to do. You don't need a cape to be a crusader. You don't need a nemesis in order to do what's right. And the lessons aren't one way either. Tim never really learned how to be good at handball, but in time, he did learn this. When justice is at stake, there are times when you need to be loud.